Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Scott, Mike, thank you so much for joining us for our first night of the virtual hunt series. Man, I learned so much there. Ton of great information. Uh, especially my favorite part was that was figuring out how to purr on the mouth call. That's that is not an easy thing to do. Definitely helps, buddy. Yeah. So basically, we uh, you know we had a lot of great questions out there. We we didn't get to all of them. So the goal with this one is to just do speed answers. Like we've got we've got these remaining questions. So let's just try and you know basically answer every one of the questions that all the audience is given. So you know let's just jump right into it. Um, Mike, I'm going to start with you. Uh, so I, I know you're, you know, hunt from down south, big into the woods. Um, if you have an option to hunt uh, field or woods, what's the situation where you prefer one over the other? I'm going to go with the woods. That's where I feel comfortable, and that's where the turkey, I mean, turkeys are in fields and woods. The edges are great, too, because you've got the best of both worlds. When you've got the field edge and the, the woods, that's... Um, that, that's the best of both worlds, really. But uh, woods, I'm going to go to the big timber and use my woodsmanship and my skills to maneuver and get set up. Woods all day long. Mm-hmm. Great answer. So, um, Scott, this one's for you. Chirping with a mouth call. Do you use it? How do you do it? What was the question? So the question from, uh, from someone from the audience is, how do you do the chirp with a mouth call? probably the wit I, I don't know what call that is yeah uh, you're probably talking about that little wit and whine you're doing yeah I don't, okay we, we we can improvise yeah the uh the the the, the wine and the bubble cluck if you will is done by just breathing the word bubble cluck breath the word wit you're throwing a little bit of air, a little burst of air across the reeds, and you're extenuating ex- the T in width. You don't even have to use your lips, but you can add your lips and add a little more bubblier sound to it, but just breath the word width. And that's the bubble clock. The wine, uh, the easiest way to teach it is to find the sweet spot on the call. Light pressure, light tongue pressure. Move your tongue all around the call till you find that sweet front sound, like what you started yelping with. Who's <laughs> moving around? The yellow venom that I've been running out, running for this thing is very easy to find it on. It's pretty much center or right center, or you can even go left. There's the sweet part. The sweet part. From there, think of a of a siren. Woo 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 woo. It's the easiest way I can teach this. And all you do is drag the first note of the siren note out, woo, and then do a regular siren note, woo, 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 woo. That's the easiest way I can teach people that really have probably never heard it in the wild because you got to be real close to hens to hear it. So you drag the first one out, and then you run the regular siren rhythm in the second two. Boom. There you go. 
That's pretty wild. That's uh, that's definitely a couple of calls you wanna you wanna learn after you got your clucking and your yelping done. So what's uh what's a situation? Call. That's what the guy was talking about with the chirp. I don't I don't that that's what we did. So hopefully a lot of people learn something from that. Okay, and what situation do you use those in the woods? Uh, just when I'm closing on one with clucks and purrs, I'm trying to calm him down. He's overcharged. He's too excited. I'm trying to go contented and trying to make him calm down himself because he's gobbling his guts out and he needs to disclose the deal that last 20 yards or whether I'm in the woods and I'm hunting high pressure property. Um, I'm scratching in the leaves with a stick and doing those sounds, those purrs, those, those bubble clucks, those whines. And I'm doing very soft calling as Mike knows very well, hunting state property in Alabama. Um, you do that a lot to kill turkeys, just not doing much more than that in soft yelps. And, um, that's the two main applications. You're going to use that really, really soft stuff. Okay. Good stuff. So Mike, this one for you, um, how many calls do you use during a hunt and how many turkeys do you try and sound like? Well, let's try and take this from a perspective of like a beginner, you know, or like been hunting a couple of years. What, what's a good number of calls to have in your pocket and how many turkeys are you trying to sound like? Basically, if you're talking the, you know, the a basic guy, I think he needs to learn just that and what he, the basics, the, 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 clucks and purrs whether it's on the cluck and purr pot uh pot call of their choice uh box call i i would want them to be as proficient as they could with those base mouth call a simple mouth call simple v cut uh two and a half two two and a half three read mouth call something they can just put in their mouth and start learning to do what scott does but i mean but then just be conservative but i I, I'd, I, I'm trying, if I was a beginner, I'd be worried about one thing and trying to be as good at it as I could. And I'd, I'd be, I'd be learning how to be a good clucker, cluck and purr, little soft yips. I would not try to get advanced if I'm a beginner. I don't go out there and try to be Scott Ellis or, or Mike Pentecost or whatever. Somebody that's killed a lot of turkeys and got a lot. Of, I, I'm going to go out there and be, entertain myself, entertain, and try to engage the turkeys. I'm not trying to sound like a multiple set of hens as a beginner. You're going to get yourself messed up and to forget what you're all about. You're trying to think. Scott and I and others, there's a lot of, that's got a lot of experience out there. That's a different world. And that's when we're engaging a turkey that we're really messing with. And we're trying to sound like multiple turkeys and using different uh, devices. Back to your point, beginner, something easing into, get, have different toys to play with different tools i mean we I, right and then and have fun but pay attention to one and make sure you're doing it right till you get some meat and potatoes in your pot mm -hmm. yeah and of course the precursor to that is the woodsmanship you know uh, woodsmanship I, I mean if i could bottle that i mean that's why i tell guys all the time I, I wish i could bottle that up and sell it to you but you can't man it, you, it's an earned art and a skill and it basically you learn it by you you've Mm -hmm. You just need to spend time. You hard work. You know, yeah, it's spending time, and, and, and basically, woodsmanship dies away. Yeah, and I, I'm going to tell you something. Um, after being in my current situation, the, the, some people just get it, or they never, ever, ever do get it. I think it's really something you're the hunt. There's the hunter gene and the gatherer gene. <laughs> <laughs> some people have it, and some people don't. And I mean, they just they never get it. 
So God bless you if you know how to walk in the woods and learn how to set up and learn how to be still, learn how to be patient, and learn how to identify different things that you're seeing in the woods uh, during a hunt, whether it's part of the rut or part of the spring hunt or whatever. There's just a certain level of, of God-given ability to harvest animals, not harvest corn, <laughs> that some people have and don't have and never do get it. I think you can learn it to a certain point. I'm sorry to get long-winded here. but Yeah, you better let him get these, these rapid-fire shots, boy. I know, sorry. But there's a point you can learn it, and there's a point that, you, that God gave you an ability to do it. And then some people just are in between. That's all I can tell you. So sorry. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> but you know, um, you just you just gotta have that drive and that passion. You know, if you if you really want to learn, you know, and you and you understand that, you know, le- learn from your situations, write it down, you know, play it over in your head. You can you can figure things out. Um, okay, so next question here. Um, both of you guys have been doing guiding stuff. What is uh, What's your dream client? You know, like what's the what's the proper etiquette for hunting with a guide? Just some top tips. That's you, Scott. I don't do much. I don't. I, I mean, I don't uh, do I, guiding I, for money. I've 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 taken taking people hunting, but I've done know. that all. Yeah, all my life. We both done that and guided people, yeah. but it's just yeah. friends and family and acquaintances. Uh-huh. And now I've stepped into another arena because I've had the opportunity to do it. And um, what's the perfect client? Somebody that has what we just talked about has that much woodsmanship skill. I don't, they don't have to call it out to anything, ability to listen to direction and listen to what's going on and not saying they're not good turkey hunters. They might be, but, but somebody that has a little bit more of, of wood skills. And I'm just telling you, Mike, it just doesn't always happen for people. It just never develops, man. I don't care how much you think you can learn. You, there's some people that just never get it. And, and that's the guy that has woodsmanship skills, and he has uh, very deep pockets and gives very big tips. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just started doing this because I had an opportunity to, and I'm having a ball doing it. But the pressure is is another level of pressure. You usually, go out and you're you're fair weather turkey hunting, and we kill a lot, a ton of them doing it that way. But at the end of the day, you got people that are here spending their hard earned money to, to take an Osceola home, and I've got some pressure on me right now. I've got a guys that can only hunt a few hours in the morning, and we've got our butts kicked the last two days, so. When I get done with this with you guys, I got to go get the turkey computer fired up and try to figure out a plan for what we've got and the properties we've got and the birds are boogery and they're tinned up. It's it's tough. So sorry for that long answer, but woodsmanship and deep pockets. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. No, I mean we appreciate the long answers because you know you can. There's so much information that you can digest, little bits and pieces. You know, you ask a question and then you learn something that you didn't even know you were wondering. Right. So. Mike and I are the, the you've got two of the world's worst about going off on tangents. So <laughs> yeah. we warned y'all. We, we've we kind of gathered that now. <laughs> yeah. No, I said, you know, right away, beginning of this podcast, we're doing speed answers. We're going to try and get know, all through all these questions. Sorry. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, as long as you get the time and are willing to give the answers, we're, we're going to be sponges for you, man. It's great. I appreciate Good that. stuff. We both so um, let's go, Mike, on this one. What, for somebody that, watch this and is excited to try turkey hunting but has nothing on a budget what are just the basics you need to go from nothing to turkey hunting nothing to turkey hunting uh you're talking about clothes guns everything everything i just watched this segment and i want to turkey hunt but i got nothing 
Oh my gosh. And you putting this on me as a rapid fire? Yep. That's rapid a whole fire. chapter. I'm not asking yeah. I'm not asking any brands or nothing. What no, do you need I, I, and which footwear, one's the most important? Footwear. Number one, footwear. Get uh, make sure your feet are taken care of and good camouflage that fits that you feel comfortable in and, and is uh conducive to the climates you're gonna be in. Um honey license, knowledge of where turkeys are. You gotta find all that. You gotta have turkey. The, the number one thing about turkey hunting is you got to have turkeys. It doesn't matter how much clothes and guns and everything and calls you got if you don't have turkeys. Uh, locate turkeys, um, but then um, uh, you got to have a, a weapon of choice, whether it's a bow or a, or a shotgun, a, a legal weapon. Know your state laws and regulations, and then uh, learning how to sight that gun in, whether it's a regular just iron sight or if it's a a side on top of the gun that uh, I'm actually a, new, a real, I've become a good, a real fan of sights on guns, um, on shotguns. And then uh, patterning the turkey gun, make sure that you shoot that gun and know the that how it's patterned. Um, then my thing is, is have a dress rehearsal with all this stuff. Get your calls, practice your calls at home, not in the woods. Be as proficient as you can before you go to the woods. The woods are not there to practice in. They're there to call and keep. I mean, yes, you got to call and kill then. You're going to do your job. But I would have a, a, a rehearsal with all that as I got all those parts of pieces. I got my clothing, uh, good socks, good footwear, good camouflage, calls, and go to the base of a tree and have dress rehearsal before you get there. Um, get on your clothes, walk some, set up at the base of a tree, get your gun up on your knees and practice sighting and looking and then practice the art of bringing that gun down and keep making sure that safe zone all the time, pointed muzzle pointed in the right direction, reach and get your calls, practice whether it's your mouth collar and then learn to and practice fitting that gun back up. To me, that is one of the biggest keys is know your equipment, get, get used to your equipment and then know how to, to set up, and that's a whole nother thing, but I would not just say go buy this, this, and this, shoot the guns, practice calls, go out in the woods. I would be uh, even to the point of doing all those parts and pieces and setting and setting against the tree and, and, and holding your gun in position to make the shot, practicing, putting, knowing everything, how it's going to be done, practice putting it down, making your calls, and don't forget your thermosail. You'll get eat up. Oh, absolutely. Those things are life Those things are awesome. especially in the early season, like spring turkey, early bow hunting, get yourself a thermosel. Worth their yep. weight in gold. So I love yep. that answer. You know, it's, it's great to understand that, okay, you have your gear, but you need to understand how to use it. So mm -hmm. love it. Um, Scott, so this is a calling question. The, the, the question is, how often should you call? But uh, I'm going to preface that, say, you're, you're on birds, you know, like they're up in the tree yelping. How often are you calling at them? And then say things go south and you want to move. How often are you calling while you're moving? Well, you went from a roost scenario to a ground scenario. Yep. So, so, so can you answer how often to call in the roost scenario? And then okay. how often do you call in a ground scenario? I generally just give them enough to know that I'm there. If they answer, they don't answer. It, you know, if you're set up tight on that guy on the roost, if he's 300 yards, you're obviously going to call a little louder if you can't get any closer to him. If you're if you're doing your due diligence and you're set up 100, 125 yards from that gobbler on the roost, 
I'm going to give some tree calls to him, get just a couple times. Hopefully he answers and he's fired up. Maybe he doesn't answer and that's okay too. Um, and then from there, the only thing that dictates more calling to me when he's on the roost is if I hear a bunch of hens around him. I might try to get the hens jazzed up to try to get the hens to fly down to me. That's the only time I step it up. But if I'm mono a mono with a gobbler, I don't hear hens, I'm giving him a few tree calls, a couple bubble clucks, let him know I'm there. It's getting ready for fly down time. I get my wing out. I do a fly down cackle, throw the wing down, get my gun up, and then the game begins when he hits the ground. Now, once he hits the ground, how much do I call? I call enough to keep the bird moving towards my direction. That's it. And from there, and that, and that starts with clucking and yelping. The only time that changes is if that gobbler's 300 yards away and I struck him at noon and I've got to get him fired off. Maybe he's off the property that I'm hunting. I'm going to cut my butt off at him. I'm going to yelp aggressively and loud. And I'm going to try to get him sucked in there because I can't do anything different. If I can move tighter to him, I'm going to be less loud, less frequent, less aggressive. And I'm going to sit down on that bird. If he's I strike him, he's 125 yards. Everything dictates his forward flow to me. And it all starts with basic clucking and yelping. Don't throw all your, all your tricks out on the table. Don't start clucking and purring and cutting and cutting and yelping, excited yelping and jake yelping and fighting purr. It's in phases and steps. If all you got to do is yelp that turkey up with 10 sets of yelps and he's in your in your lap and you kill him, then good job. But if he starts hanging up, slowing down his progression, then I'm going to maybe step up my calling. I'm going to get more excited. I might shut down my calling and say nothing for 20 minutes. I might get middle of the road calling. I might go into clucking and purring. I might go to scratching in the leaves and clucking and purring. I might go to repositioning on that turkey. So at the end of the day, call enough to keep him moving forward. Use the basic stuff. Don't pull your tricks out of your bag until he starts hanging up and acting squirrely. Mm -hmm. Fair enough? Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know, just read your birds. Okay. This question's on ground blinds. I know you guys have said that you, you don't use it a lot. You use it for kids and stuff. Um, will you set up a ground blind in the wide open, or do you feel you need to brush it in? Ground blinds are, with turkey hunting, they can be in wide open. They don't, they don't. It doesn't affect them. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. The brushing them, it just looks it looks better and makes you feel more head if you're trying to brush it in or pull it to, up in the woods a little bit there. I mean, I, my experience is turkeys don't care one iota about that thing in the in the, in the the middle of a field as long as it don't move. If it moves, you're in trouble. You better have it tied down. <laughs> And don't and don't and be careful. Don't bump against it or anything. Make you know noise. I mean, they'll, they'll you know. But I just as long as it's stationary, and then they can't see through it. I mean, out in the fields and stuff, you got to be able to pull those uh, the blinds down. You got to make sure you, you, they can't silhouette you. That's one of the things about ground blinds. You got to make sure the back is darkened in behind you. When we have used ground blinds in the past, even though we did that, a lot of time we carried an extra piece of cloth with us put behind us because that was such an aggravation of trying to keep that sun and so the turkey you don't want no more open than you have to but you just don't want the turkey to be able to see the silhouette because if you're moving in there they pick up on that movement real quick very good so this one's for you scott how do you how do you cut so fast how do you increase your speed you know people people learn how to cut but they struggle with getting that speed up what are your recommendations for that um, start with quality, not quantity. Learn how to recreate the note first. And then from there, start using my number system that I've taught for years to people on different DVDs and my YouTube instructionals. 
just use the number system literally uh, a one is a single note cut i use all raspy red ragger here hopefully she's not stuck because i don't have picks in these which a single note cut is a one that's one cut a one two note is a double note which can do regularly So from there you're gonna go you just draw it out on paper. I used to do this. One 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 two one two. There there's a little cutting sequence. And then from there just start doing those over and over in your head until you get that rhythm ingrained in your head. Single note. Like so, and that is just nothing but ones and ones and twos all ran together. So map it out, man. Use those numbers, single notes, or and learn to, to execute that single note. Learn to execute that double note, and then from there, write you a pattern out. It's it's what I call it's a word that I use: random organization. That's in turkey calling. Okay. It's random, but it's organized. Yep. You know what I mean? Organized meaning it's those same similar rhythms. Mike talked about the Yelp note being in that. Uh, that that rotating motion, y'all, 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 y'all. It snaps over. It's not yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all, y'all, y'all. So put the structure to it. Put the uh, put the number system to it, and then work on your speed. And slowly, once you ingrain that rhythm, what I'm trying to say, once you ingrain that rhythm, those one, 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 two, one, two, one, 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 two, one, two, and you get that broken rhythm. In your head, it will start coming automatic where you can recreate the sounds and you can start speeding up the rhythm of your cutting. Okay, that makes sense. What, uh, one question though is like when you when you're doing your two cuts, does you does your mouth come to a complete close to break off that it, sound, it or is can. it still partially I mean, I open? Teach lot, I teach a lot of people just to cut with their tongue because most most people never grasp the ability to. Many people can't get that coordination, so I just say, use your tongue. So I'm not even closing my mouth all day. It's just my tongue trapping the air and creating that little condensed yelp note. This is this goes in, I, I'm not going to get long-winded, but this goes into a, a cut note is nothing more than a yelp note condensed, and she's mm -hmm. just popping that, her, her larynx, to make that cut note. So at the end of the day, just work on getting the actual short burst of air and and just use your tongue you don't have to use your lips and coordinate both of them and you can go a lot faster with just using your tongue 90 percent of people in your scope I'm, I'm just showing you super speed cutting there machine mm -hmm. gun cutting is what i'm showing you but that's just my tongue yeah so most people do a lot better with this that than trying to coordinate their lips with it too okay Good answer. You you just made that look way too easy, by the way. <laughs> a little bit of practice. I got fast twitch muscles too. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, Mike, uh, hunting situation for you. Can you hunt a spot too much? And if so, when do you know it's too much? Uh, well, you have to set some kind of parameter for yourself, really. That's the way I try to do anymore, and that's just from experience. I, I try to make myself a uh, almost not just a spot, but a turkey. I mean, I try not to be in a spot too often, 
uh, the first time I want that turkey to hear me, I want to kill him. And if I don't, then, you know, I've got a, a, a kind of a written rule that I, if I can't kill him in three days, I need to leave him going somewhere else and, and enjoy the woods and a different turkey. Uh, uh, but uh, can you, yes, I think you can. Um, I know some guys that stayed on one turkey all season long, and if they're happy with that turkey and they get him, that's good. And if they're happy with their hunting and they don't get him, that's good too. Uh, it's all personal preference. You know, you don't always have to have the bag limit or whatever, but uh, or if you can get more than one or whatever. But, I mean, can you can you overdo a place? Absolutely. Listen to what Scott's telling you. And, you know, the, the turkey's a boogery. That's been because they've been people coming in, calling to them, shooting into the group. You know, multiple gobblers may have came in, one got killed, and now they're, you know, that's making them more weary and more, uh, spooky and everything. So can you uh, hunt a place too hard? Yes, you can. I try to get in and get out, but I mean, I hunt 99% public ground and there's somebody walking and calling those ridges all the time. So you just got to up your game as far as your woodsmanship and your ability to call. Great answer. So, I mean, I guess that pretty much covers the, the list of questions that we have from our customers. Do you guys have any, uh, any closing advice for people out there that are excited to get in the turkey woods? Go enjoy it. I mean, go, do what we've uh, been talking about. To me, just get to, get you some calls and something that you enjoy or and can be, become efficient with. And get you the the gun, the ammunition, the, the 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 clothes, and find some places to hunt. And if you want to do decoys and blind and what, whatever's good for you, man, go enjoy it. Get out there and enjoy the outdoors, and you know, share it with people. Take a, take kids hunting and fishing. Start new people to the, to the uh, legacy that is turkey hunting because if we don't, it will go away. And the other thing I'll say and add to Mike's stuff is, and this is after guiding now for the first time with people that are unfamiliar with their weapons and their shot shells and their chokes, pattern your turkey gun. I've had, I've had two of the five guys that I've had in the camp use my gun because one guy missed two times. The other guy was so unsure about what he was doing. I said, just shoot my red dot on my Winchester. And so two of the six birds that I've been on this last nine, 10 days, whatever, was with my gun. People take the time to put the choke in the gun and take it and put it on paper. Find your point of impact. If your point of impact is not true, put adjustable sights or put a optic on it. Do the turkey that justice. Now don't wing or maim turkeys because you were too lazy to go out and pattern your gun and find out what it really did. There, there's so much more to the science of shotgunning turkeys and where that gun is going to shoot and how effective and what the effective range of the gun is as well. So that's my, that's my disclaimer for the night, pattern your gun, put it on paper, know what your weapon will do. Mm -hmm. Great advice. You know, at the end of the day, it's really all about respect, you know, respect for the land, respect for the animal. You know, it's a hunting is such an amazing hobby and you can bring so much joy and so much excitement, but you know, you still have to respect everything out there. And be safe. First and foremost, Absolutely. Be safe. safe, safety. Yep. Absolutely. Mike, Scott, thank you so much for your time and your words of thank wisdom. You. It's been great. You know, I, I wish you guys both best of luck in the turkey woods thank this you. season. Yes, sir. All right, you too. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. 
Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.